This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we all have the same uh, outcome. We do have different scores. Let's move on to our final segment, the two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. We don't have to get through so many things too quickly, Dan. I do want to cover a couple of things in a little more detail. I think it's interesting this week. We have gotten this far um, in the podcast and haven't mentioned one of the more dynamic rookies uh, in the league. First overall pick, Aiden Hutchinson, who had a pick himself against Aaron Rodgers, kind of a deflection. And he's got four and a half sacks this year. I really like the way he has looked. I wonder if he has it in him. I wonder if he has it in him to take over a game for a series at a time. I don't know if he's there yet, but I do think you like a lot about what you see. I love the Michigan Ohio state factor oh, yeah. kind of the, the subplot here. And I think he's going to be a force not only on Sunday, which I think the bears will have to find ways to account for him on third downs, especially, but he's going to be a guy that is going to make his presence felt in this uh, divisional rivalry moving forward. Impressive kid. I don't know what the prop bet odds would have been on Aiden Hutchinson intercepting Aaron Rodgers on a pass intended for David Bakhtiari in the end zone. <laughs> Probably would have been like plus 300,000 on that, on that scenario. And that's a pretty cool way to make your mark. Uh, look, the motor on that guy is, 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 is really special and the bears are going to have to be aware of that. The bears are feeling really good about their current offensive line construction. It seems like Riley Reef is now going to be your starting right tackle uh, going forward. Larry Bourne's been out of the concussion protocol for a full week, and, and it, it looks like it's Reef's job to keep there. And so now you got Cody Whitehair back. You got Reef in there, which Luke Getze said on Thursday that, that Reef just is healthier now than he was at the start of training camp coming off the injury of last year. And so they feel good about the direction that's headed. And so uh, at least maybe you think you've got some some – some ways to slow down guys like Hutchinson and, and keep that one them reach. Can you explain that one? Reef is a guy that replaces Borum. And it, I heard the same type of uh, kind of not certainty, but they're leaning that way. Larry Borum also could play the left side. Do they feel better about the development of Braxton Jones than they do Larry Borum? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Is, is that, is that, unquestionably. Is that unquestioned. Okay. Yeah, it is. And Braxton Jones is, yeah. I mean, for, for, <laughs> This kid, like we may get to the end of the year and and have to talk about this more at length, just in terms of what his rise was from January first until you know what will be December thirty first in terms of just coming.
coming from Southern Utah and then climbing your way up and, and getting picked by the Bears in, on day three and then coming to camp and earning a starting job and then holding it down, having some rough moments, but being able to steady yourself through those rough moments on a weekly basis to earn trust from people around you. Look, there's still going to be some rough moments. There's no question about it, but they, they feel very good about where that's headed. Uh, and, and hopefully we get to the end of the year saying, look, like you don't have to go out and use some of the resources you have available to you to try to find a, a new starting left tackle. They're helping him more, and I guess he is reducing the rough moments. I guess I'm just a little bit surprised that it's that definitive and obvious at this point of the season because there was a point in time a couple of weeks ago, I wasn't sure what direction it was trending. I do think there's a lot of value in a new regime and a new general manager and having a draft pick like that pan out because we talk all the time about rookie quarterback contracts if you can have a guy at left tackle and he is your rookie that you're going to develop into a starter over the next several seasons then you're going to be able to allocate those resources elsewhere i don't know that i'm there yet dan as far as you maybe uh, are but but i think it's something that offers the bears a great opportunity if he continues to play well that's fair that's fair um wanted you to get into uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, brother Tan, <laughs> uh, the brother of uh, Equinemius St. Brown on the Bears. Very funny story. They have something riding on this season, and they go head-to-head on Sunday at Soldier Field. Yeah, a little bet before the season, Equinemius and Amon Ra. Got together, said, hey, my team's going to win more team, more games than your team. Okay, want to bet? Yes, want to bet. Equinemius St. Brown revealed us today in the locker room, $1,000, 1000 bucks uh, that the Bears would finish with a better record than the Lions. And as he said afterwards, we're leading right now. Well, not by much, right? It's it's two and six against three and six. And so it's a half game lead that could flip really quickly with the result of Sunday's game. Uh, but obviously a really cool moment. They played against each other twice last year when Equinemius was still with the Packers. They get to do so for a third time. Sunday at Soldier Field. Amon Ra is obviously having the better season. He's got 39 catches, 399 yards, and three touchdowns compared with EQ's 11, 164, and 1. But they don't take this for granted, and, and it'll be interesting to see where this goes. Like, you know, Equinemius St. Brown held a little session in his locker Thursday afternoon, and, and obviously we talked a lot about his brother, but then we also talked about the drop he had on fourth down, right? And so uh, he said, look, it's just a straight drop, and it won't happen again, I promise. Well, promises only go so far, right? And if Brian Prince is going to be reactivated off their injured reserve as expected before kickoff on Sunday. Somebody's got to get bumped out of the way, right? And, and if it's Equinemius St. Brown potentially inactive on Sunday, potentially in a reduced role on Sunday, it'll be interesting to see where that goes. But obviously, the, the sibling storyline is, is notable for now, and that bet is notable, and it'll be really interesting to see kind of how this uh, plays out. Yeah, we had the Fullers going head-to-head against each other in recent years, right? Kyle Fuller and his brother. Kyle and Chris Long. Think yeah, about the that. Longs, remember that one? There was even a fight in St. Louis. <laughs> they had to be broken up. I remember that little uh, kerfuffle. I, I'm surprised not – I mean, Amonre I'm, I'm St. Brown is a guy that you didn't expect to be coming in. I didn't think he'd be leading the Lions in receptions. And yards. I mean, he's their, he's their leading receiver right now. Yeah, right? he's missed. He's missed. Yeah, he is, and he's missed some time with injuries. He had a really big game in week two, and, and and he's got that big play potential. He's a fast guy. He can do things uh, vertically, right? Like they, they're going to get him some opportunities deep down the field, and they're going to run some option routes with him. Uh, he did have a fifty-eight yard run this season as well. They don't they don't run him a lot, but he can uh, get loose in that regard he's too. He's smaller than his brother. He's six feet. He's more compact. EQ is six five and a bigger target. It just 
interesting how they are different stylistically and certainly in different places for the respective teams with Amon Ra going to be a guy at the focal point of this passing game at Soldier Field and Equinemius St. Brown might not even be in uniform. So let's do the math, Dan. Who's who you got? You got Mooney. You got Claypool. You've got Pettis. Pettis. Who else? I mean, EQ would be would be in that mix, and then you've got to figure out with Nikhil Harry. Oh, yeah, Byron. you have, have Nikhil Harry. He's going to play. I think Byron. he's ahead of EQ St. Brown, right? Okay, so then, and then you got Pringle, right? And so now, now, you're, now you're playing the numbers game, and that, hey, guess what? Third-round pick, Valus Jones, like, good luck trying to, to find your way back up this ladder in the near future, right? So, so look, it does get cluttered quickly, and I, I think that there's a, a sense here that competition is going to be good for these guys. They haven't had it because of the, the injuries that have wrapped Average this receiving course since the start of training camp. And so now as they come back closer to full strength, now all of a sudden you get a little bit of that, that dogfight in, in, uh, in practice just to, to, to win opportunity. And let's face it, we're not talking about, you know, the, the picking between the, some of the best receiving, this isn't the best receiving core in the NFL. We're not talking about a tandem and Mooney and, um, and Claypool is swan and stalworth or anything right. like that. Let's not get carried away. But I think that when you look at what they're look, trying to do in the second half of the season, figure out who's going to be part of the solution, not the problem, kind of weed guys out. These kind of decisions on a weekly basis are interesting. Valus Jones talked about his healthy scratch on Sunday. Hal saw it as locker today. I saw, and I, and I wondered what you thought about the way he handled it as well as the way that they talked about Khalil Herbert, who also had a very bad mistake on special teams, but will be back out there on Sunday. It sounds like against the Lions. Yeah. So th- this may sound cold, but I don't really care as much about how Valus Jones handles being a healthy scratch as much as I care about him doing something about it. Right. Which means understanding what the coaches are disappointed in. And it's my sense that, that, that some of this is practice stuff, right? Like not knowing where you're supposed to align, not knowing your motions, not knowing the, the, the full complexities of, of look, Luke Getzi says every week, we ask a lot of our wide receivers and tight ends to do a lot of different things, right? That, that give us formational flexibility and, and looks that can throw a defense off expecting one thing and then getting another. And so you have to be on your details at all times. And so sometimes that's a lot for a rookie. Sometimes that's a lot for a third year guy. Sometimes it's a lot for a fifth year guy. And so I think Valus Jones has to understand the volume that he has to take on to earn the trust of this coaching staff. And then again, you know, Matt Eberflus said the other day, like that position is a playmaking position. And when you have a 54-yard pass hit you in the hands and fall to the turf, it's not great. When you when you on special teams have dropped a couple punts, muffed a couple punts and lost them, it's not great. And so, look, like this is just not been a great few months for Valus Jones, starting with the injuries and training camp and leading up to to all of this stuff. And so again, like, you know, again, not to sound cold, but I I just, I don't really care about the maturity at this point. This is a, this is a a cruel league and and you need to produce. You surprised that Herbert's going to be put back out there on the punt team? No, I mean, look, like, like that guy's a pro, all right, and he just he just missed an assignment, and it's it's you know it's just something that happens, and uh, that one was an ugly one though. I, I like rewatched that three times on on Monday morning. It was like, what in the world? How do you not even see that, right? Like that's outside to in, and you just got to make sure you get a body on that guy, and it just it was just a uh, just a miss. Interesting point. I talked to Dave Wansett on our show on Tuesday on the Mullen Haw show. I said if David Montgomery is your best pass protector as your running back, and he's better than Khalil Herbert, who clearly has issues blocking as we just were reminded on the on the punt why not play David Montgomery instead of Herbert in that spot because he's a better blocker would you do that with your number one running back and Wani was like hey whatever 
If he can block, he's going to play. He doesn't <laughs> care. I mean, he had, and he had examples of guys who were his number one running back playing on special teams. So is that? I, I don't know if that's a possibility, but it, it did cross my mind. I mean, I don't think it's a, a, a major thought process here, but I don't I don't have any problems with the suggestion. I think these guys right now are like one and one A, right? Like there's not a yeah. whole a whole lot distinguishing them as your top back and your second back. And so whatever helps you, whatever helps you, you get closer to winning, right? That's an important situation. Okay, last couple of things real quick. So what did you make of the whole conversation? If Luke gets even addressed it, but I think it was a conversation outside of Hallis Hall, more so as as we tend to do in Chicago, getting a little carried away. <laughs> if Luke Getzey has success, then all of a sudden he will become a head coaching candidate. I think it was Ryan Poles. Uh, it was pointed out that he talked about that coming up. That has come up. It came up during the interview process. Matt Eberflus had a plan for that. If that is the case, to me, Dan will continue to look at this, monitor it. That's not a bad problem. That is one that it would be a good problem for the Bears to have. To no, play. look, and there were people, uh, you, you know, that, that initially that premise of Luke Getze leaving here after one season with the 32nd ranked passing offense, it seems outlandish. And then you say, well, wait a second, like Luke Getze interviewed for head coaching job last year with the Denver Broncos. And so he's, he's in the, he's in the mix. And so now if you do magical things with Justin Fields and the Bears offense, and you awaken them from a team that couldn't reach 20 points ever to a team that's scoring North of 30 every week, Week, you're going to get some looks, right? And, and and when there's seven, eight, nine head coaching open openings every year, somebody's going to give you an interview. And and all it takes is one team to fall in love with you, right? As as many many coaches over the years have found out, Mark Trestman, Nathaniel Hackett, whoever else you want to name on the list, you know, the, Luke's Luke's an impressive guy. And I like literally watching that game back on Monday and seeing some of the things that offense was doing. I was like, this guy's going to be a head coach at some point. One day. Is it in 2023? Is it in 2025? Is it in 2026? I don't know. He's going to be a head coach at some point. And I'm very confident in that. And you can save this audio and pull it back if I'm, if I'm wrong. Um, But yeah, it could, it could happen. Now, again, to your, your topic about Ryan Poles talking um, about the secession plan, right? Because I think that was important. I went back and looked and this was even before Getsy was hired, I believe. And it was, involved with the idea of you're hiring a defensive minded head coach to oversee the development of a quarterback. What happens if you bring in an offensive coordinator, the Adam Gase type that comes in for a year and then jumps to the head coaching job. And he said, look, like we had those discussions with Matt Eberflus and he laid out a plan for, okay, if this happens, this happens, if this happens, this happens. And so they feel very confident that no matter what happens at the end of the season, they've got options and they've got connections and they've got ideas on how to, how to shake things up. I still, particularly with the way Justin's playing and the way quarterback development league this league goes, you don't. Is it a good problem to have? Maybe, but you you, you would love, love, love to preserve continuity because you see what happens for sure. great quarterbacks when they have three or four years of of continuity with the system, and, and you're not have, having to relearn things and start over and build relationships and build bonds and do all those things. So anything they can do to keep Luke in an oversight role of Justin beyond this season would be wonderful. And if he leaves, I mean, it's not like they're going to go out and find an offensive coordinator and a former quarterback who has no coaching experience because that never happens in the NFL, right? <laughs> wait, wait. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, but, uh, Dan Graziano maybe could come in from ESPN. And, <laughs> I mean, it seems like we're just trying anything now in the NFL. Well, let's, that leads me to the next topic <laughs> I wanted to get to. So, obviously, uh, Matt Eberflus having come from Indianapolis, Frank Reich fired this week. The big story around the league, Jim Mercer 
goes rogue and, and hires Jeff Saturday as the interim head coach. Jeff Saturday, no coaching experience. Um, and there he is. He's going to be this week facing the Raiders. Um, and Matt Eberflus was talk, was asked about it. He expressed his regrets over Frank Reich, his friend, who he worked with and had success with. But he did not want to talk about <laughs> Jeff Saturday. Did that surprise you? Uh, no, it's particularly publicly right on that on that platform. It's hard to. Um, you know, say something quickly and eloquently that doesn't become a soundbite that everybody's playing everywhere. Right. So I think they were very, very careful. Uh, there's a lot of coaches in this building that have some experience in Indianapolis. We talked to linebackers coach Dave Borgonzi uh, this evening on Thursday evening, mostly about Jack Sanborn, but we brought up the topic of the, the Indianapolis thing. And he, like Eberflus, he didn't say a lot, but his body language said everything. It was clear that it was like, woo, whatever's going on in Indy is wacko, right? Like that, that is something that, uh, you know, you can say nothing in this league surprises me, but certain things surprise you. And when, when the things that have happened in India over the last few weeks have, have happened the way they have, it's, it's, it's wild, man. And, and it's hard to know which direction they go. I think specifically, it's just like, it's November 10th now. Right. And this move happened on November 8th. How do you suddenly come in off a TV set on, well, I don't even know the name of the show in the morning anymore. Get up, right. It's the get up that, that Jeff Saturday was on. And all of a sudden it's the competition. So I'm not interested now. Now you're leading. Now you're, <laughs> now you're leading a group of coaches. You're leading a group of players. There's there's nothing built in, right? There's no familiarity. There's no connection built in. And you're nine games into a season. I just, I just, I don't know how this is going to be functional this weekend, right? It just doesn't have it make any sense to me how it's going to be functional. So last thing for me, let me ask you this. George McCaskey comes to you with the <laughs> inspiration. He says, Dan, if I had to get an ex-player with no coaching experience to be the interim guy under different circumstances, who would be your ex-bear that you would give the next eight games to as an interim head coach? I mean, does, does the obvious answer count? What's the obvious answer? Josh McCown. <laughs> he's one oh, of my, we love him, though. He's one of my yeah, favorite okay. people in all football. That's and I think, true. Okay. I think he's qualified. That's so, so I, I mean, I'll call Josh right now and say, ask him if he wants to do it. I don't even care if there's an opening. I'll see if we can get him here and, 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 and you, leave you, this. You would you'd arrange a book deal for him, <laughs> and then you would call him. Yeah, absolutely. I think because he would be a guy that you could at least – like they're doing an indie, they're justifying and rationalizing a lot. Well, you know what? He's as smart as a player has come through here besides Peyton Manning. Josh McCown is a guy that has been groomed and, and, talked about in those terms so that that's not a bad one i would it's go, not jimmy clausen i'll tell you that no it's not jimmy clausen <laughs> and it certainly isn't jay cutler um i'd go patrick manley i'd go patrick manley okay i'd go the i'd go the duke route the former uh, long snapper i would go patrick manley because of the cerebral nature of it he's a leader he just played imagine the craft beer in the press room um, there would be all kinds of perks for Patrick Manley. <laughs> Some long snapper IPA in the fridge. I like that idea. The other go. one, yeah, I'll give go. you another one, just totally wild. But let's go to the movie set in Hollywood and let's get Thomas Jones back here. That's that's an inspired choice. They could do like a movie on it. They could do like a documentary on the Bears, or they like, could do whatever they want. He would I, he could play the part. I know. I listen. I know you like Thomas Jones as much as I like Thomas Jones. That guy inspires, right? And he's got yep. he's got he's got a very uh, infectious energy about him in a way that that one of on that 2006 Super Bowl team. The guys loved that guy, and so I, like I, I think one. he could resonate with players too. So that's my, that's my you, that's my runner up choice. If Josh wants okay. to stay watching his sons uh, play football in their college days, coordinator, assistant head coach. I bet the people <laughs> out there might have some choices. If you do, let us know on Twitter at Take the North Pod. We'll end up. Uh, retweeting and getting a kick out of your submissions 